Hmm. Got it. <laughs> We're on. Welcome to another episode, everyone. What number are we up to? Eight. Number eight? eight. Yes. Welcome it's to eight. We're Not Helpful, a podcast about nope. books, recommendations, our opinions. Uh, I am Eloise, as always, and joining me is... You did this last time. You're supposed to say your name. Who's joining you? Who are they? We'll find them. Oh, God. Brayton and Julian. It's Brayton and Julian. Or is it? I'm sure we'll get it by number 10. could be ghosts. Oh, yes. We are ghosts. (laughs) Loved it how you kept doing that. If anyone has looked at the Facebook feed in the last couple of days, you would have seen a little reel that I popped up about us going to Tuong Cemetery and visiting the ghosts there, having a ghost tour with Ghost Tours Australia. Thank you very much to Andrew, our tour guide, who was very knowledgeable, very spooky, very creepy. Yep. Um, and I mean, I mean this in the best way possible for him. But as soon as I saw him, it's like, yep, you run Ghost Tours. <laughs> That's exactly right. If if you yep. picture the stereotypical guy that runs Ghost Tours, that's him. That was Andrew. <laughs> but it was he was great. Yes, we had an absolutely wonderful time. We did. Did you bring any ghosts home with you? Any possessions? Not yet. Oh, they, they haven't made themselves known yet, so oh, okay. um, it's very good. stay tuned. Yes. Julian, you and I thought we saw something creepy. Spooky lights. Spooky. We <laughs> well, saw, one spooky we light. We both yeah. saw a light, which we thought was someone's torch. We thought it was the security guard who had entered into the, mm. um, the cemetery before us because we saw something go behind a tree and then it never emerged. It just stayed yep. there. Was that when we were up near the main crypt yeah yes. the first yes. crypt that we went yes to, like, i we, saw that light too I, was it just us <laughs> i saw that i swear it was a torch yes yes the skeptic I in me it. is saying it probably was the security guard and he just but, turned but his torch off. i kept looking down and never reappeared i did too i thought it was a torch but i don't know i went in there wanting an experience i wanted a ghost which yeah. is usually when you will not have an experience. No. Exactly. If horror movies <laughs> has taught us anything, it's the the really skeptical guy that gets murdered by the ghost first. And none of us got murdered last night. Not that we know of. No. <laughs> Unless we're the ghosts all along. Blair. <laughs> Blair. Oh, that's Dracula. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, our tour didn't have the the story about the vampire. There is a vampire story that is involved with Tuong Cemetery, but it's if you do the other tour, which does the back half of the cemetery, they'll tell. Which that we story. really should do because that cemetery is a lot bigger than I thought it was. Oh, it is huge. Mm. Like, I've always known how huge it is because I drive past there all the time. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, definitely we should go back for part two. I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone else who is interested in that, go. It's brilliant tour. Wonderful tour. Yes, and they, so they do loads of tours throughout southeast Queensland. They do a walking tour in um, the Queen Street Mall, um, and they do oh. a lot of the other Brisbane cemeteries and the Ipswich Cemetery as well. So thoroughly recommend. Uh, I did Bogger Road Jail a few years ago. They're not running that tour at the moment because Bogger Road Jail is currently closed for whatever refurbishment the government is attempting to do on it. Um, there is a petition at the moment, if you want to sign that to get them to open it quicker so that Ghost Tours Australia can go back there, um, Brayton, we might find a link to that and pop it in the show notes. Sounds good. Excellent. What are we discussing this week, guys? Oh, well, I, I got very excited this week because we actually had a viewer mail. <gasps> Listen I told, to emails. I told you, Someone I, cares. I told you about this. Yep. Um, 
the first thing I'm just so freaking excited because it's someone from Ireland that emailed in. Uh, that is really so cool. <laughs> Hello, so Ireland. <laughs> Hello, Ireland. I have family from Ireland. Many, well, I don't know if it counts because they emigrated over here in like the 1800s. So well and truly not Irish anymore. <laughs> I do Irish dancing. That's my only connection. <laughs> There are people who, if they're even the minutest touch, like 1% of an of a ethnic group, they will claim that as who they are and it becomes their personality. So, Brayton, if you want to be Irish, you be Irish, buddy. <laughs> uh, I think uh, nothing against the Irish. I would I would love to. <laughs> I, Ireland is on my bucket list to visit, um, but I don't think I feel Irish. I definitely don't drink enough. Don't have the luck of the yeah. Irish. Mm. <laughs> You don't like all form of potato either, so that could hold you back. A little, a little oh, bit. no, I like all form of potato except mashed potato. Yeah, and I, I think that would uh, be your downfall. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think customs wouldn't let me through. Trying to have a shepherd's pie or a steak and Guinness pie or mm, a number no. of other pies. Now I want pie. No. <laughs> all right, that's it. We're done yeah. for the tonight. We're going yeah, out to we get have pie, to go everyone. To, we have to go and have pie and an Irish whiskey, <laughs> which... Uh, Look, if you can think of a better way of welcoming in the new work week, I'd love to hear it. Excellent. All right, get to the listener email. Now. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> so we had this person from Ireland email in, Sylvia Sanchez. So hello, Sylvia. Hello, Sylvia. We've had a brief conversation. And she is probably the only person in Ireland listening, judging by our analytics. <laughs> Tell your friends, Sylvia. Yes, please. Um, but she wanted to she wanted to email the top well, let me tell you, she was emailing in about Moby Dick, which, as if you've listened to other episodes, Eloise is loving every second of that book. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, but Sylvia has, and I really hope I'm pronouncing names correctly. Um, Sylvia has emailed in with the subject line, Moby Dick, some context. Love it. I, that's what I need. I, I want it. Please give it to me. <laughs> okay. So this is what, this is her original. We had a bit of a back and forth, but this is her original email. Hi there. I thought I'd send some context to Moby Dick because I think you lot are getting the wrong side of the stick with this one. So I plead innocence for Julian and I because we have not read the book, but Eloise, what, what are you doing? You clearly are not understanding Moby Dick. No, I'm clearly <laughs> not. <laughs> Read further because I do have thoughts about what she has said. And, yes, and yes, yes. I do appreciate the things that she has said. Moby Dick is an episode of real life and it was horrifying. The reason why the author goes on and on about civilization and white men and so, it's because they're about to turn to savagery soon. The real event is far more gruesome than the one in the book and, spoiler alert, only one man survives the ordeal. Ah, spoilers. Spoilers, <laughs> spoilers for a hundred and something year old book. You know what? Like, I, we all know how it ends. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's no surprise. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing is about how obsessions can drag others allegedly sane, allegedly sane and civilized people and how said people can absolutely be the worst beasts to each other given the conditions. The real-life event included murder, cannibalism, and a bucket load of other extremely gory stuff that I'm omitting in this email, but you can check it out in Ask a Mortician's video about it. It's titled, The Real Moby Dick Was So Much Worse, 
Not apt for weak stomachs, I've got to say. And I'm pretty sure last podcast on the left covered the actual events as well. Yeah, I I have a recollection that they did um, in an episode last year, and I can't remember exactly what it was that they spoke about, but I do remember that, yes, Moby Dick is based on a true story, like like inspired by true events, rather. Mm. Well, Melville. Melville. Melville Melville himself served on a whaling ship, didn't he? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there you go. It's it's right in the next line of the email. It's spoken about that in the beginning, actually, in the prefix. History of, where is it? Yes, life. Yeah, something. I don't know. Hang on. It was somewhere in the beginning, I'm sure. Yeah, Um, it was so long ago. It was. (laughs) (laughs) I'll continue with the email. It is true that Melville, having worked in whaling ships himself, dedicated probably too many pages to the ins and outs of ships and trades and whaling and whatnot. That's a saying somewhere. But don't Ooh, let that fool shots fired. <laughs> but don't let that fool you. And don't think for a moment the whole white men are superior is intended as the true message of the story. It is not. Men are monsters and will happily throw common sense out the window is the final message. So if you decide to read it through to the end, be aware of that. It's also the reason why they don't shut up about the whale once they find it. It's meant to start wrapping you in an, in the increasing obsession and contagious insanity this cruise sinks in. Now, I won't say have fun because it isn't a fun book, but <laughs> uh, enjoy your read. I hope this email helped you better to understand Melville's book and intentions. Kind regards, Sylvia Sanchez, Coclair Island. So, Sylvia, thank you so much for that. And we did, we did have a brief, uh, very brief back and forth where I said, you know, is it all right if we read this? She gave her permission to read this. And I said, it's great to have someone with maybe a bit more expertise or at least knowledge about Moby Dick emailing because we're going just off, I guess, our first impressions of it or, or mm. impressions Eloise is giving us. And as the title of the podcast says, we are not experts at this. <laughs> no, no I am not helpful. We are not scholars. Um, but I would like to read Sylvia's reply to me, if that's all right with you guys, because okay. I don't think I've shared this with you. No, you haven't. So she said, hi, Brayton. Glad my email was helpful. I'm not an expert either, but I read Moby Dick because of the nasty bits. I didn't know it was worse in real life. I found that by accident years later. I know Melville did a lot of research and used his own experience to furnish the story, but I don't think that really influences much, um, all that much the core story. Anyways, I quite enjoy the podcast. I often listen to it in my long walks. The Aussie accents make the discussions even better. Feel free to read the email on the show if you think that'll be interesting. Kind regards, Sylvia. Oh, that's excellent, Sylvia. I'm. It, is she? Did she read Moby Dick because she knew about the real life events? And in which case, is she a murderino? Is she a true crime? No, fan? I think didn't. I think she said she read it because she. I didn't know it was worse in real life. Yeah, oh she, right, okay. It was the other I read one. I read Moby Dick because of the nasty bits. I didn't know it was worse in real life. I found I found that by accident years later. Oh, well, I hope she's a murderino anyway. <laughs> oh yes, um, yes. So to be fair, in terms of the um, reviews, and I say that very loosely, that I are you been, talking about your reviews? My review. Okay. Over the last few podcasts, I have not been very descriptive other than to just whinge and complain about how long and boring this book is. I haven't really given a lot of context or really described exactly what it is that's going on. 
Um, the part where she talks in her email about them becoming very, like obsessed and the obsession growing, funnily enough, right before we received that email, I had actually read a chapter where that becomes very um, obvious and prominent. So there, there, and that it was actually a very interesting chapter. I thought, oh, something actually seems to be happening here at the moment. So um, that it. It's sort of described about how they come across like a gigantic pot of whales and they've got other whaling ships and they're, they're competing with the whaling ships. And Ishmael is describing about how um, there's a very specific way of capturing a whale. And once it's sort of gotten away from you, there's no point in pursuing it because you're not going to catch it. And this other ship that they had come into contact with kind of ignored that because of their obsession of attempting to finish what they started. So that was quite interesting. Um, it, it is very prominent now in terms of Ahab's obsession, sort of forcing his crew to do certain things um, where the chapters do describe very graphically almost about and comprehensively about how the whaling process is done and how you like you know you spear the whale and you cut it and then you have to sort of haul it up against the ship and then portion it out or whatnot and Ahab is is rushing them through all of those points because it's like okay fine we got this whale but we still got Moby Dick to go after quick go after the yeah go yeah so and because of that things start happening that uh where people are getting injured so there's a very weird and graphic scene involving um uh, Tashtago I think his name is pronounced who's one of the Native Americans <laughs> Native Americans on the boat um where he apparently fall I think I got it right is that he falls into the head of the whale like the carcass and he's stuck there and Queequeg dives in after him to rescue him and essentially cut him out. So that was, yeah, interesting. Sorry if anyone's like eating dinner or whatever while they're listening to us. <laughs> um, so it, it it is interesting about how every time I read a chapter where something interesting actually does start happening and I'm like, okay, this is actually starting to get good. It then suddenly shifts and pivots to this long description about whale parts and the bits that they have on the on the little boats that they put off the side of the ship and I suppose that that's all necessary in terms of if you want to learn about that kind of stuff. But... Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those stories where I feel like if it had been written today, the editors would have torn it to shreds going, you can't put all of this stuff in here. This is unnecessary and boring and it doesn't move the story forward or, or you know, describe it earlier on and condense it, something like that. Um, so, yeah, what what else did Sylvia mention in her um, email? Oh, about um, about the, the racism part. So, hmm. <laughs> admittedly... Yeah, I I was probably unfair the last time we talked about that when I was going on about how the racism parts was really difficult to get through. I When I was reading it, I did think to myself, this does seem almost over the top even for its time to the point where is it being satirical uh, in terms of what racism is seen, seen like at that time? It did seem borderline 
over the top to the point where I'm like, this guy is like talking, uh, you know, a lot and he's going to be destroyed by his own hubris by the sounds of it. So I'm assuming that's coming back to bite him perhaps. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that part was interesting to, for her to point that out as well. I do like how apparently in the end, the allegory is men are monsters. I'm like, ah, that, that old chestnut, man, the, the humans are the true monsters all along. <laughs> It's a trope that's been done before. Yes. Um, I would assume perhaps maybe this is one of the first times it was done, so you can't really be mad at this book. It's all the modern books mm. that you should be mad at where they're just reusing them. <laughs> it was man all along was the monster <laughs> in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, I'm I'm really glad you liked the email because part of me was worried. It's like, oh, no, someone's told me I'm wrong about Moby Dick. No, God, no, I, uh, honestly, I cannot form a proper opinion about this book because there is so much about it that I do not understand. And I'm pretty sure I said in the last podcast, if you can tell me what this means, please, by all means, do. And if someone thinks Sylvia is wrong and has a different opinion, uh, please also email in and we'll consider your opinions as well because... Ooh, fight by proxy. <laughs> fight in the comments um one interesting thing that i did come across this afternoon when i was reading was uh i finally got to a homoerotic chapter oh, yeah there's homoeroticism in this book finally they yeah. are sailors that's true you can't spend years on a ship with just men and not expect some homoeroticism so here's the thing yes like, days there, there, hours there is a a very early on scene in the book, and I can't remember if we've actually spoken about it or not, where Ishmael and Queequeg first meet and they share a like a, an in room essentially before they get onto the ship. And it's very intimate and they are very open with each other and it's very descriptive in what is almost erotic, but I cannot tell if it's supposed to be that or if it's just that's what dudes did back in those days where they mm. were very much in close quarters to each other and they, for example, especially like whalers and and uh, seamen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know you'd laugh at that. I'm not intended. <laughs> uh, yes, all right, calm down, boys. <laughs> where they would share close quarters and have to be used to being very close and personal to each other because like they share a bed in the inn and all of that uh, and I looked up a couple of things and it, it does like scholars do seem to be divided where some people are like no nah, they had nothing to do with anything that was just how it was written and a lot of other people going no 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 it's a complete you know absolute allegory for for um gay relationships so who knows but I just wanted to read out this passage and see if uh if <laughs> This would change your mind. So in context, what's happening is, is that they have captured a whale and they've started like doing all the bits where they have to portion it out or whatnot. And it's a sperm whale. And I can't tell if they're actually talking about the sperm's sperm or if they're talking about... <laughs> You need to take a screen cap of what your faces look like and put this up on the, on the website, on the Facebook you, page. You can't go from sea, this, just mentioning semen to then talking about sperm whales. That's it. I know. That's you, why. <laughs> I want your opinion. You so, were working with two man children here. Yes. 
So <laughs> essentially they've got like a whole bunch of stuff in a vat and I can't tell if it's actually. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, we're never getting through this. <laughs> You're the one that's talking about it. I know. I can't tell if it's actually supposed to be like the whale's sperm or if it's just like part of the whale's blubber. But apparently, like, it's it's very viscous, but it goes, like, all blobby if it sits. And part of what they have to do on the ship is to squeeze it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> they have to squeeze it until it becomes a liquid again. <laughs> so I'm going to read this bit out. It goes... Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze all the morning long. I squeeze that sperm till I myself almost melted into it. I squeeze that sperm till a strange sort of insanity came over me and I found myself unwittingly squeezing my co-laborers' hands in it, mistaking their hands for gentle globules. Such an abounding, affectionate, friendly, loving feeling did this avocation beget that I last, uh, that at last I was continually squeezing their hands and looking up into their eyes sentimentally as much as to say, oh, my dear fellow beings, why should we long, why should we longer cherish any social acerb uh, acerbities or know the slightest ill humour or envy? Come, let us squeeze hands all round. Nay, let us all squeeze ourselves into each other. Let us squeeze ourselves universally into the very milk and sperm of kindness. You cannot tell me that this book isn't a homoerotic allegory anymore. I, I, I didn't hear it. You want me to read it again? Yes, but slower. <laughs> Deeper. With a more husky voice. Okay. I'm not reading it again. <laughs> um, Fine. But no, that's a very interesting book. I've not heard about, I've not, yeah, I've not heard about the idea that parts of Moby Dick were like a allegory for homosexual relationships. Well, it's got Dick right there in the title. I know. That's it's, true. It's been banned in Cal in uh, Florida, so. <laughs> it's an e at this at this point, it's easier to list the books that haven't been banned. That's true. <laughs> the cat this in the book, hat. And that's this it. book has a strong female character. Be gone. They banned a book because the surname of the author was gay, and it was like they admitted that it was by accident. But it's like, oh my god. <laughs> yep. Let's not talk. Let's. Nope. Let's move on. Let's that's move a on whole other conversation. Angry. That's a whole different rant. Yep. <laughs> Julian wanted me to rant. That that's a whole <laughs> different rant, Julian. <laughs> um. So yeah. That no. That's very interesting. Actually, like reading that passage, it definitely feels very full of sexual tension. It does. And as soon as it as like as soon as that was done, it goes right back to describing boring shit again about yeah. about the whales. <laughs> like ah <laughs> sorry that away. It's almost it's almost like during your work day, your mind kind of drifts towards this thing and then you gotta snap back and oh wait, I've got a job to do now. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe he mm. was suddenly feeling amorous and was just like, wait a second, I've got this this book to finish writing. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I guess, Sylvia, if you are listening to this and have an opinion on that, you're considering you're now our resident Moby Dick expert. Yep, we've appointed you. Because yep. <laughs> you're literally the only person to email in with a legitimate comment about the show. So Yes, apart from Richie and Julian's Nips comments. <laughs> yeah. Which we're getting we, he... coffee <laughs> and more sensitive. 
we're not Ex we're not talking about that <laughs> excellent <laughs> all right well sylvia thank you so much for emailing in much appreciated and i'm really looking forward to when eloise eventually finishes this book and we have some sort of retrospective on the whole thing we are very close i have less than a quarter of the book to go i think you need to finish it then sit on it mm. for like a month <laughs> and then come back and like how do you feel I, I don't think I'll be able to do that because I've already forgotten so much of what I've already read. Like I would you need to go back and reread it. No. Yeah, probably no, no, Can you tell no. us again? No, don't make me, please. <laughs> if I, Julian, if I don't finish this book, then I will never get to your book. Haha, segue. Segue. Perfect. Smooth. Uh, very smooth. Uh, yes. It's very smooth to always announce when you have set up a very smooth segue. Yeah, I think it's Marketing 101. Announce your intentions to segue into things. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Quiet. Edit this bit out, Pray. No, this is staying in. Damn it. <laughs> Julian, you have written and published a book. I have. I published a book that I wrote a number of years ago. So, so... yes, where have you published? Mm -hmm. And tell us about the book. All right, so... Uh, the book is something that I wrote in 2018 based on a concept I came up with when I was in high school. Uh, so it's been a long time coming. Uh, and the book itself is now available on Kindle and soon to be released on Amazon as a paperback. Nice. Oh, fancy. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So Self-published, like what we were discussing. Self-published, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't have the mental fortitude to be rejected for the next five years. Um, so I went to self Does, does anyone? <laughs> Some people do. I don't. I'm, I would cry too much. Uh, so I went the self-publishing route through Kindle, uh, which is very, very, very easy to do, I must admit. So anyone looking to self-publish, it's a very easy way of doing it. No, that's that's uh, really, really good. Like, I remember that you sent me a couple of the chapters a few years ago when you had been writing it, and I remember, like, really liking it at the time. So I am looking forward to getting around to reading it eventually <laughs> when Moby Dick is done. <laughs> um, yeah, so the book is called Shadows Embrace. Um, and it, it all came, I'll, I'll tell you a bit about the book. Basically, it's about these two best friends in high school, um, no homoeroticism, I'm afraid. Just two one best star. friends in this one. <laughs> one star. Unreadable. Uh, uh, and and one of their girlfriend. And then uh, one of the best friends meets a girl, and she has a bit of a past, a bit of a troubled past. And as they start dating and the romance sort of begins to progress a bit, parts of her past start coming back into play. Um, and so you've got this character, Arnie, who has – Let's let's not say he's, he's a happy person, but he's reached a sort of a contentment with life. And uh, if if you don't fuck with me too much, I won't fuck with you too much. Kind of kind of a um, compromise with life. And then yeah, so she sort of enters his world, and her past kind of comes back and starts causing quite a bit of trouble. And in the end, um, Arnie, his best friend Ringo, and and Ringo's girlfriend kind of get swept up in this mysterious sort of world i suppose where there's very high stakes um and it, they're in over their heads basically um and they have to try and get 
Arnie's girlfriend out of the trouble that she's gotten herself back in. Well, she didn't get herself into um, that her past has sort of caught up with her. So it's kind of all about that. And yeah. there are supernatural elements to it, isn't there? There, there are some supernatural elements to it. Um, I'm not big on writing a lot of supernatural stuff, but I, I like to try and dabble, if you will, <laughs> in that sort of area. Um, no, there, there's there's some supernatural elements. The the gang, these four people, seem very much connected in a very spiritual sort of way. Um, there's the power of dreams and things like that uh, being somewhat um, portentous, if you will, uh, a bit future telling, and and there's just that kind of almost psychic element to it at, at times as well. And so there is a there is a bit of a supernatural um, style to it in a lot of ways. Yeah. Ooh, it is it like um, what was I going to say? Is it kind of like, um, would you have like like creepy elements like out of Buffy or like Lord of the Rings or is it just it's sort of like that, just that psychic kind of thing that's going on is the only supernatural element or is it something that you can't really talk about because it would be spoilers? Uh, yeah, a little bit spoilery. Um, in a future episode, I might read out a passage that is somewhat supernatural if you want. Um but I haven't prepared one today. Um, there's, there's like a, I guess a touch of that kind of Buffy-esque supernatural thing. I was, I was very heavily into that sort of scene at that age when I first came up with the story idea. So there's a lot of influence from things like Buffy, Angel. There's a lot of influence from some of Stephen King's stories, um, particularly that sort of teenage element uh, and friendships and friendships being tested and things like that mm. as well. So... Um, yeah, there is that sort of inspiration, if you will, that comes from there too. And there's also martial arts in it as well? Yes, there is martial arts in it. So um, the two characters, two main characters, Arnie and Ringo, are both martial arts students. Uh, that came from when I first started writing, actually seriously writing the book about six years ago. I'd also just started taking up martial arts myself um, and then sort of seeing that there is quite that loyalty connection bond uh, that springs up with the people who train together in certain types of martial arts and in certain gyms as well um, and so there was a heavy influence there too uh, particularly on um, Ringo who is Arnie's best friend particularly on on his coach uh, and sort of the mentorship that he has over these guys as well so there's a lot of kind of parallels in there in a way too. Mm. Oh, I love a good martial arts story. So I was going to say, you mentioned influenced by like Angel and stuff. Can you talk about why season four really influenced you the most out of <laughs> all of them? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, the the murderous look on Julian's face. Oh, he's left. He's gone. He's left he's the podcast. Oh, he's, punched, the podcast. He's, he's punched a hole in the wall. <laughs> if anyone's not seen if anyone's not seen angel um yeah season four is not good <laughs> season four as an overall season is is horrible uh, but <laughs> what makes it so troubling is it contains some of the best episodes of the entire series within it so you know what do you do there yeah 
there's there's always going to be a season of a show that's like that. <laughs> I, I will fully admit I have not actually watched Angel, but I'm committed to the bit that Angel season four is the best just to piss <laughs> off everyone else. Usually me and Adrian and Julian. <laughs> yeah. So I'll I'll read out <clears throat> I'll read out the blurb that actually is on the back of the on the back of the book. So if you do buy the paperback, this is what you'll read. So, so set in the tumultuous world of high school, Shadows Embrace follows the journey of Arnie, a young man whose life takes an unexpected turn when he discovers a talent for martial arts. With the unwavering support of his best friend Ringo and blossoming romance with Jesse, a mysterious newcomer with a troubled past, Arnie finds himself thrust into a whirlwind of emotions and danger. Narrated through the eyes of Ringo, Arnie's steadfast companion, readers are drawn into a world where teenage struggles collide with the sinister forces of Jesse's past. As Ringo grapples with his own challenges and finds solace in his relationship with Willow, his girlfriend and confidant, the stage is set for a gripping showdown between good and evil. Shadows Embrace delves into Arnie's quiet existence, shattered by relentless bullying from Jackson, a rival martial artist, manipulated by his coach's sinister experiments. With Jesse's arrival, Arnie discovers a newfound purpose and embarks on a journey of self-discovery and bravery. As secrets unravel and loyalties are tested, the bonds forged between Arnie, Ringo, Willow and Jesse are put to the ultimate test. When Jesse is abducted, Arnie and his friends are thrust into a perilous battle for survival against both tangible and otherworldly foes. And it sounds and it. really <laughs> cool. La- laugh a minute. <laughs> oh, it's... Yeah. So much Straight comedy. up comedy. Straight up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> nice so what was your writing process like when you actually did it? Like how did you go about writing it? Um, mostly staring at a blank screen and crying. I hear that's uh, very common in the writing community. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, there's a reason why so many writers turn to alcohol and mm. stuff. I'm pretty sure, um, I can't remember if I've said it before on the podcast, but Taika Waititi was on um, Stephen Colbert. <clears throat> he asked him that same question and he was just like, you know, sometimes you'll sit down and you'll open up your laptop and you'll stare at your screen for nine hours and you won't type a thing and you'll, t- and you'll put your laptop back down. That's still writing. I'm like, <laughs> right, yep. right in here, right in, right in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Taika. <laughs> I, I I made I was I was lucky enough to be able to take a lot of time off to write the the book. Um, I made myself a a commitment that I was going to do a certain number of words each day, whether they were good words or bad words. I was going to write a certain amount of words each day, and so I wouldn't actually stop until I'd hit that amount of words. And some days, yeah, it's it's a very easy thing. And I found that the more I was going on, like the more time I spent working through it and writing and actually dedicating that time, the better it got and the easier the words came. Um, so it was just taking that first step and sitting there and going, I have this idea and I'm going to put it down. And Brayton, I know you and I discussed this once before about the, you were saying the uh, the author's first draft is for them before it's for anyone else or you're writing for yourself. First. Yeah, it was a, it was a random, it was a random video. I think it was on TikTok. I saw some author was talking and they just said the the job of the first draft is to exist. Mm. And so I yeah. And so I guess I knew I had to uh get it out for better or worse. Otherwise I just kind of wasted this year off. So um 
you know, I made myself a commitment to write a certain number of words a day and just didn't stop until it was kind of done. And some days that was easy and other days it was very, very hard. So did did you phone it in many days, like just going, This is absolute tripe, but I've just got to get I've got three hundred more words to go. I could say the entire book is phoned in. <laughs> <laughs> you're really plug you're really plugging this well. <laughs> On those no, there days were definitely when... days. Yeah, on those days when you felt like you couldn't hit your word limit, did you just write no beer and no TV, make Julian something, something over and over again? Screw Flanders. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, chapter 43 is just screw Flanders over and over again for 12 pages. Yeah. No, there were there were days where it did feel kind of phone in. And so going back, um, so I took maybe a year after I'd written it, I sort of shelved it for a year and then went back later and looked at it and went, wow, this is the worst writing in the history of writing. And so I'd go back and edit and fix it up and stuff. So, yeah, there were definitely days where it's like, ah, just get the idea down, just get it down and worry about it later. Um, probably more of those days than not. So the editing process took me the better part of another year to do. So, mm. Mm. When you edit, like, are you cr creating a whole new document or are you just editing the document that's there? I tend to just edit a document that's there. Um, so I would print it out. So my process was I, I wrote it and then I printed it out. And so I read through it <clears throat> and I went, uh, you know, did little minute changes, you know, grammar, spelling, that kind of stuff changes. But then in the margins, write, rewrite this, rewrite this, and then go back to my original document, cut out the crap, um, and then, yeah, rewrite in there. So I, what that first document looked like doesn't really exist anymore. Mm -hmm, fair enough. Did mm. you plot out the story or did you let it evolve no. as you wrote it? No, I, like I said, the concept came in high school when something kind of stupid happened and then I thought, oh, what if? And so I just got that first moment down and just went, all right, let's see where this goes. Um, I have tried plotting stories and find that more often than not, I never follow those anyway, so I just gave up on, on any try trying to do that in any way. Yeah. <laughs> now you're silent. I was waiting for Brayton to ask it. No, because I was waiting. I thought there might have been a follow up. <laughs> no, because no. I was gonna. I was gonna say I'm very. I'm very similar that I when I write and I've I've never actually finished a book, but you know, when I've dabbled, um, I've tried both like the outlining process and then the um, just writing off the top of my head and i definitely find the second one a lot better because i just find outlining really boring mm. i just want to get into it but then of course i get you know five pages in and have no idea where to go next and abandon the idea <laughs> that's yep. very similar to how i've sort of felt recently as well because i always tend to have a really good idea i started off by writing like the beginning and it's really good. And then because I haven't figured out where it needs to go, just, just kind of peters off and then I haven't gone back to it. One of my um, 40 before 40 challenges is to start writing a book. And I have an idea in my head about what book I want to write. So like I've started with scribbling down some ideas, but I haven't really been able to figure out yet how to plot it or even who the characters are at this stage. It's just uh, it's an interesting kind of like, 
postmodern sci-fi idea about how um I don't really know if I want to say it on the podcast because someone might steal my idea. <laughs> don't say it because oftentimes I don't know steal Eloise's idea. <laughs> um oftentimes you say your idea and the motivation just disappears as soon as it's like out in the world. Yeah, but I feel like if I put it out in the world, then it's kind of like I need to actually go and chase that now. I don't know. No, apparently I read I read there was a study that if you have a goal, don't tell people ah, because okay. saying you're doing this gives your brain the same dopamine kick as actually doing it. Ah. And that's where the motivation vanishes. Interesting. Okay. This is not this is not for everyone because some people still have that drive to do it but i am definitely one that it's like hey i wrote five pages read this they're like oh that's really good okay i'm done now i got that <laughs> dopamine kick it's interesting because there's a lot of people like as i've mentioned previously i'm on tumblr and a lot of people write a lot of fan fiction and put it up on archive of our own or ao3 as it's known and they like the tumblr community is a huge beta community meaning that they actually get people to to read their stuff and provide them with feedback and um suggestions about how to improve so there seems to be um a wide range of people doing that so it's interesting that it depends, you know, some people will find putting it out into the world as a, as a motivator and other people will just let it kind of fade away and die, I suppose. So whatever works for you, I guess. Yeah, the... everyone, everyone works differently. I know for, for me personally, I am tinkering with a story, but I have not told anyone what that story is about. And I will not tell anyone what that story is actually about. Oh, tell us. Tell us. Until, just tell us. Okay, okay, okay. Just just okay. between us and all of I'll, our listeners. I'll probably, I'll probably edit it out. But it's it's <laughs> about a – but my story is about a futuristic amusement park where dinosaurs are brought back to life through advanced <laughs> cloning techniques. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of calling it um, Billy and the Clonosaurus. <laughs> Fantastic idea. You should run with that. <laughs> um, but no, I will I'm I'm not telling anyone what my book is about until I don't like the name Billy. It's a horrible name for a character of a, in a book of dinosaurs. Change it to Herbert. Much better. Much okay. more dinosaur. Herbert. Okay. Herbert and the okay. dinosaurs. Herbert, I'm gonna have to go back and re-edit every single mention of Billy. Just can just find all replace <laughs> no that's not the process oh okay <laughs> <laughs> one by one it's um yeah my my stuff is nowhere near ready for public eyes or anyone else but me to see fair enough <laughs> i mean mine's not either but i did it anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you you at least had a finished manuscript <laughs> mm, true Eloise, you, you might recognise some of the scenery, by the way, in this book and maybe even one or two of the uh, teachers. Oh, <laughs> I think I recognised <laughs> so... them when you gave the chapters to me in the first place. <laughs> mm. I look forward to reading it again. There. I would like the whole story this time and seeing it to the conclusion. Mm. So I'm looking forward to that. If uh, I ever finish Moby Dick. <laughs> you will. How many pages did you say you had left? Uh, I don't know exactly how many pages, but it's like less than a quarter of the book is left. Oh, beautiful. It's it's so close. <laughs> so, Julian, just as a last little thing, like what, if people are looking at your story, what, um, I guess, what other authors would you relate your story to? Like, if you like this, then you might like your book. 
that's a good question. Well, like I said, I do take a lot of inspiration from Stephen King, Dean Koontz, although I'm nowhere near as good as those two. Um, but there is heavily, heavily, heavy, heavy influence there, um, particularly from a couple of Stephen King's earlier ones. Maybe similar to ooh, um, Marsden from his okay. earlier days when he was much more of a, a teen writer or um, maybe so a more adult R.L. Stein style even. Yep. Or Christopher Pike, yeah. Okay, cool. There's a lot of adult concepts in there, but it is about teenagers. So, so it's de- but it's definitely not like a young adult book. It's a book intended for no, adults. No, no, no. Or... I wouldn't. I would consider it anyone from the age of about sixteen upwards. I wouldn't okay. target it at the young adult necessarily. All right, awesome. I will definitely be checking it out. It's available on Kindle and Amazon. I'll I'll drop a link in the description in the show notes. Cool. And everything. And of course, I get a, Eloise and I both get a percentage of the profits. Yeah. Because yeah. You get a percentage yeah. of something. That's how it works. Yeah. It's eight, 80 20, right? That's what we agreed on? Yep. Yep. Excellent. I'm pretty sure that's that's what we agreed. Uh, look, it's a two against one vote. So it passes. Hooray for democracy. Yeah. I want Madeline back. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to replace both of us, Brayton. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> okay. So, Eloise. Yes. Before we go, I have decided, just in, in moral support, since we talked about audiobooks last week, as of tomorrow, <clears throat> I'm going to start Moby Dick <gasps> on audiobook. Really? Look, I've, got it, I've got it queued up. Let's Ready see if you go. finish it before I do. <laughs> and just looking through the chapters, like it's like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 11 minutes, yeah, because 5 minutes. The, chap- the chapters are like sometimes they're only one page long. <laughs> yeah. How long does the entire audio go for? The entire audio book is 20, 25, 23 hours and 42 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I often listen Things to. Things are holding in one day. Yeah, you could. But I often listen to audiobooks on at least like 1.5 times speed. Oh, I hate that. I can't stand doing that. No, I can do it. I'm just hoping I can fit it in under Spotify's like 15 hour minimum um, maximum. Mm. Oh, you should read that review that you read out before we started recording. Oh, yes. Yeah, I I love this review of the audiobook, which it can it kind of feels like Eloise might have written this. <laughs> Maybe I did. It, they did give it three stars. I wouldn't give it that. <laughs> You're giving it at least a 4.5. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> is it easily? The, it, the, the title of this review is frustrating. Easily the most frustrating book I've ever read. Just as Melville starts reeling you into the story, pun intended, he goes off on a tangent for literal hours about the anatomy of a whale or some similarly dull topic, painful to complete. Well narrated, though. The, that's exactly it. That is exactly right. He just goes off on a tent. No one is allowed to criticize Tolkien for describing a tree over three pages any longer. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I will constantly until the day I die. At least it's relevant to the story because the tree had history of the area and why it was important to why they were finding things and debatable. Ugh, I will debate the, you. 
and we'll do that one day. That'll be an episode where you and I get to debate <laughs> Tolkien well, if to- and if hit- Tolkien described too much or too little. <laughs> mm. And then he inserted songs just <laughs> everywhere. Look, admittedly, I do skip over the songs when I reread. Oh, them. I did too. <laughs> I was so happy when I got to a song because it meant I could skip half a page. <laughs> Half well, a page. I'm, I'm what a... version were you reading? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bilbo's song about the cat, like the elongated version of the cow jumping over the moon, does go on for two and a half pages. I honestly can't remember. It's been so long since I've read Lord of the Rings. Oh, Frodo! Frodo sings it in the in the um. Oh, is it the Green Dragon in when they get to Bree? Is the Green Dragon in Bree, or is that in? That's the Prancing Gaia? Pony. Oh, it's the Prancing yeah. Pony. That's right. Oh, look at me, a terrible Tolkien fan, not knowing the difference. <laughs> you're, you're kicked out of the fandom. No. Yes, the Prancing Pony uh, in the book, they um, Frodo uh, starts singing a song that's basically the cow jumped over the moon, but it's like two and a half pages long. <laughs> but did the dish run away with the spoon in that one? We never find out because he falls off the table and in humiliation he puts the ring on to crawl out. <sighs> One of life's greatest mysteries. Maybe I'm misremembering something. Doesn't Aragorn just randomly break into song in the middle of the Council of Elrod? Or was it um, Gandalf? He might. Uh, there's, there's probably a song. I don't think it's Aragorn. Like everyone randomly broke into song at some point in that story. <laughs> <laughs> the Aragorn does sing a very long lament when uh, they find Boromir's body and Legolas joins in. So there you go. Okay. That's sweet. That's nice. I guess. <laughs> so yes, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to to starting Moby Dick at least in solidarity with you, so we can have something to talk about and get some differing. Especially since I'm going to be listening on audiobook, so maybe yes. that might make it less painful. Maybe I like. I almost considered, but yeah, I feel like I'm almost there. I will not be joining you in this journey. No, I don't. I don't hate myself quite that much yet. (laughs) Maybe I'll do the Great Gatsby next. Oh yeah, we should do that and then (laughs) discuss. I will join you in that journey. Oh well, if you would like to find us on the socials, we have our Facebook page. We're not helpful podcast. Um, We also have a TikTok now, Brayton. If you wanted to describe the TikTok, yep, I made a TikTok for us. So far, there's a few there's a few random videos on there at the moment. I've been the idea with the TikTok was to do kind of a mix of content from the podcast and just random book related stuff. So so far, I've been opening up capsules of these like mini brand books, which is just fun. I just like collecting them, so I thought I'd share that with everyone. Um, there's a video from the Ghost Tour up there. There's a video of Julian Julian's I guess lament at trying to self publish a book. He gets it done. <laughs> he does get it. He does get it done. Um, so that, yeah, there's a few. There's a That's few right, videos. Up. I get it done. <laughs> there's definitely a few videos up there, and if we do end up editing clips from the show and putting it up there too, um, yeah, they'll be up there too. We've only got six videos up so far, so you know, early days, but it's there. And if you the the um, what's it called? Username handle. I don't know what TikTok calls it. Oh, it's different for every platform. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's the thing the, that identifies us. Yeah. It's just name. at it's just at not helpful pod. 
Excellent. So search search that up and you should see us. It's the same picture that's on our um, podcast page and our Facebook page. Can't miss us. Well, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you have an opinion about anything, please do email us at, what's the email address again, Brayton? Nothelpfulpod at gmail.com. Yes, we do appreciate the emails. Yes, uh, we would love yes. to get enough viewer emails that we can just do a whole email section. And I invite someone to read my book and tear me to shreds via email. Please do. Write yep. us in the comments. <laughs> if you love Moby Dick or hate Moby Dick, please email in with your thoughts. If you love The Great Gatsby especially, please email in about why that book is amazing. If you just want to start a random argument with myself or Eloise, please email in. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the three hours of content we could get out of that would be great. It's just me and Julian just yelling yeah. like the whole time. I'm looking forward to that. And if you have any ideas for topics that you want us to discuss or book recommendations or anything like that, please let us know. So we'd be very happy to look into it. Um, I'm trying to get, now that the year is in full swing, I'm trying to get a more consistent upload schedule because it was a bit all over the place to start with. Um, but now that the holidays are over and we're all back at work, it's going to be every second Wednesday, which is my day off of work. So I have the time to edit and upload it. So at some point, every second Wednesday, God willing, if everything goes to plan, there will be a new episode up. So this one... It's because we record on time. <laughs> yeah. We usually record Sundays and then I usually edit on Wednesday. So this one should be up Valentine's Day on the 14th. Oh, happy Valentine's oh, how Day, everyone. Yep. So happy Valentine's Day for everyone. I love the idea Suddenly of someone... Suddenly the passage you wrote is very fitting, Eloise. <laughs> What's what's that? Sorry. Suddenly, the the passage that you read suddenly becomes very fitting. So fitting. Read <laughs> that out to your lover. It will definitely help you. <laughs> I love the idea of someone's listening to this podcast and just gone, "Oh crap, it's Valentine's Day!" and then run out of the door. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> if you're listening to this Wednesday afternoon, because it'll probably be up hopefully around lunchtime, depending how long it takes me to edit. Um. You might already be too late. If you're listening to this on the ride home on Wednesday, you've got time to get some flowers at least. Coles have chocolates. Yep. Or wait till the 15th. Then you get half price chocolates at Coles. Ooh. And it's a real surprise too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we might leave it there. We will hit. Oh, I, I don't know what I always say. I'll see you, hear you. Join us. There we go. Edit this bit out. <laughs> nope, it's staying in. I'm, no. I'm splicing it at the front of the episode too, oh, and then just randomly throw out. <laughs> well, join us for the next episode, and we will see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.